The Georgetown Hoyas are Big East Tournament champions and NCAA bound. Coach Thompson, I know you love it, big fella. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Towel. I am your host, Armin Hertunian, with a new co-host today, John Kirchin. John, it's been a while. What's up? How we doing? Good to be here. Always a pleasure. Great to be back, right? So it's great to be back. Um, I'd say it's been an eventful few months. Um, we haven't really done much podcasting because, well, podcasting would have been a little depressing. But all has changed. We've officially gotten to the light at the end of the tunnel. It's amazing, John. Right? It is. I, 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 I think I'd be lying to myself if I thought uh, this day would ever come. I wasn't really sure. I, mean, I, I was, I was, uh, Armin knows this firsthand, but I was the, the number one skeptic. If there was anyone on planet Earth who was holding out hope, not hope, but holding out some sort of idiotic thought that Georgetown would give him another year, even after the last two years, it was me. Just because that's just Georgetown in it, their nature. Uh, but they didn't. So we're here. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> I, I remember you had spoken to people who had explicitly told you people who know better than both of us combined explicitly told you that Patrick Ewing was going to get fired. And you were still yes. saying, I don't trust it. I yes. don't believe it. I had a number you know, of people tell me in, in various different organizations and high ups, people who I trust who had told me, no, no, no. Like this is back in January. No, he's done. It's over. And I still just refused to believe it. I just didn't think it was going to happen, but I'm glad it did. I, I do feel, I will say I do feel bad for Patrick to a degree. Um, not that you know, I'm going to defend his prowess as a coach, but it's just, obviously it's not, it's not a good situation. It's never something you're, you're, you know, glad it didn't work out. Um, obviously it's unfortunate, but uh, uh, I'm glad the era is over. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's something that honestly is worth talking about a little bit. You know, he's exactly what, it means to be a Hoya, right? I mean, so yeah. I'll just preface it this way. I'm writing a piece, a little thank you to Patrick Ewing. Um, definitely look out for that. But um, mm-hmm. basically, the guy didn't need to come back and coach. He had a chance. He didn't want to. Every, he, I mean, he wanted to, but he didn't need to. No, he, right? he didn't want to. He did not want he didn't to. didn't want to. Oh, then no. I'm mistaken. That one, then, he, is, he was an NBA assistant, obviously, you know, for years. Had yeah. been interviewing for NBA head coaching jobs. And obviously, there's like the wide held uh theory in the nba that big men don't translate to good coaches which as i told someone else yesterday i guess it's not really an nba theory anymore um because he didn't work in the college ranks either but he'd always he never really had a ton of interest in coaching in college uh when the job opened it was mostly the encouragement of john thompson the second that really gave him the job um i don't think that the board was ever entirely opposed to hiring him it was just that he didn't seem to have a lot of interest but uh, i think it really picked up once Coach Thompson encouraged him to take it, uh, and unfortunately, it didn't work out. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, but what I'm trying to say is, he didn't have to come back to Georgetown, right? He had served 15 years, as you said, on a on an NBA bench, you know, between three teams. I think he is the greatest program in Georgetown, uh, greatest player in Georgetown program history. He is an NBA Hall of Famer. I mean. Like, like the list goes on and on. The guy made well over a hundred million dollars during his coaching, or I mean, his playing career. Like, he didn't need to come back. So, to a certain degree, to see him on that podium Wednesday night, 
after what turned out to be his last game, that blowout against Villanova at the Big East tournament, tearing up, saying how much it meant to be the coach of Georgetown and how much he wanted to come back, and then reading his statement at the end of the uh, the university statement about him being let go. You know, you have to feel bad for him a little bit. But yeah, you do. Also, he's you know the last few years have not been the best, right? I, I think no. we can all agree two, two, that two two could be true. Yes, right. You can you can still, you know, we can agree on the fact that his legacy as a player is not going to be tarnished by this. But you know, his record speaks for itself. I mean, he never had a winning record in uh, conference play. A, Overall record of 75 and 109, which for a coach at Georgetown is just never going to be good enough. Um, no. You know, sets sets a conference record with 29 consecutive losses, almost setting an NCAA high major, you know, basketball record with that number. We, we did get to see our first two wins as uh, students on campus this year, but like. Big East it, wins, yeah. Yeah, it, it was it was a big, it was a big, uh, a tough, tough couple of years for us. It was, yeah. No, no doubt about it. Um and I do think, yeah, it's it's going to be tough, obviously, because people in the national media who don't really cover it 24-7, especially when we suck, it will just paint it over like, oh, they suck, they fired him. But to a degree, I think what's also overlooked is like it's it was also just an administrative failure. It wasn't just him. I'm not going to – and I, again, I'm not saying that he should be given another year or he should be given another chance to hire a new staff and, you know, like maybe recruit the DMV better or whatever. Like he's not a good coach. I'm not – like that's that's obviously out the window it's been out there for a while now but it was just an organizational university-wide failure like nothing they did properly supported him ever as head coach it was never just oh we have this great program and he's just failing us no it was university-wide the the president the athletic department as a whole obviously every week you see something different about a press release being misspelled or a tweet having the wrong score on a graphic saying we won when we lost like just even the, the little, they seem like such little things, but it all just compiles up into this just big bag of garbage. And you're like, well, I mean, at the, to a certain degree, it's like this guy is, he's the, he's the public face of all the issues, but there's just so much other wrong things going on behind the scenes that just gets overlooked and this will and have been getting overlooked by guys like Rothstein and the national media who just come in and say sources, he's getting fired. Uh, and Georgetown fans, obviously, if you're listening to this, you know, all the program, all the program issues that have been going on, uh, and I'm not sure that a new coach will solve all that. I highly doubt it will, honestly. But um, at least maybe we'll be able to cure it with some on-court success, which is unfortunate. But we'll see. Yeah, you know, it's it is really difficult um, to see. Really, really, over these last few years, John, I think as both of us have gotten into, you know, taking a deeper look into Georgetown basketball as students with Thompson's towel here, it's like the more you look into it the worse it gets, right? Absolutely. And as you said, like, it's not it's not a thing that uh, – you can't disregard the fact that, you know, Patrick Ewing was not a very good basketball coach. No. But it definitely the, – the school and the university, the program as a whole did not, you know, help him in any regard, it seemed. And just not to see all. him go is a little sad. Um, it is, absolutely. But, but um, yeah, so I think with that we should kind of move into – you know, speaking of the university and everything they've done wrong, should we talk about some uh, some possible directions they could go? I mean, I think uh, I think we've both had a lot of uh, conversations about this. So I guess let's just jump right into it with the name everybody wants to hear. Rick Patino. Yep. 
what let's what, what do you think about it what what's what's our uh what's our take on rick well me personally i've always been of the idea that i mean winning cures it doesn't cure everything but it damn sure cures a lot um and like i said just earlier uh there's not a whole lot that we can do about more administrative failures on Georgetown's part, but a lot of that can be masked up. If your team is consistently going to an NCAA tournament, um, it can be brushed off at least as, you know, just exuberance or whatever, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but I'd love to have Rick Pitino as the head coach of the Georgetown Hoyas. I know a lot of people in the community would love to see him as the head coach. I know a lot of people on the board would love to see him as the head coach. I don't know if the president Jack DeJoy wants to see him as the head coach of Georgetown. And I think that will be the deciding factor because everything that I've heard from both sides of the both camps, the Georgetown camp and the Patino camp has been, there are some people, obviously some factions on the board that would love to see him as the head coach. And should he be offered the job? I don't think he would really hesitate in even taking the job. Rick Patino would, uh, but it's just a matter of whether or not we will give him the job. And at, at this stage, with the more recent buzz coming out about him and St. John's, I don't see it as highly likely. Uh, I, it's semi-unfortunate because I, I'd prefer he's my number one candidate. Um, I, I do understand the concerns about his age and his, you know, his moral background. But at the end of the day, I, we just need to see wins. Uh, someone had told me the other day that the board of directors, obviously Ewing, when John Thompson III was let go in 2017, Patrick Ewing was not exactly at the top of the list, obviously having never coached in college. Uh, and that he wasn't necessarily forced on the board of directors, but that with the encouragement of John Thompson II and Jack DeJoy as signing off, it was tough for them to, you know, prohibit Patrick Ewing from becoming the next head coach of Georgetown. And that to a degree, DeJoy and the administration sort of owes the board of directors the next hire, if you know what I'm saying. Um, I still don't see it yeah. as very likely, though. Um, no, I, I would love to see it. Look, the, the guy in his three years at Iona has done an amazing job of kind of revitalizing that what used to be a very small program up in New Rochelle. Um, and I think we can agree that he is arguably a top three basketball minds in the country still at the ripe age of 70. What is he, 70 or 71 years old? Something I mean, like the that. Guy has, the guy has been coaching in college for damn near three decades he's gone to seven final fours which you know hilariously enough is just as many wins as we had this year he right. um what well, he's won two national championships i mean when are you going to get a guy and and put all the extracurricular stuff to the side when are you going to be able to get a guy like rick patino with no buyout wanting to come to your program i mean in the uh cbs article written by uh, matt norlander a couple couple weeks ago he said pretty explicitly i mean without saying georgetown but he said pretty explicitly like this is where i want to come right it gives him the opportunity in the next half decade to make another final four and look there will always be people who disagree with the pick of rick patino but you just cannot deny the coaching accolades and look it's going to be a real shame if uh if John DeJoy is the only thing stepping in the way of this hire, because it sounds like from what we've heard, donors want him. There's a large faction of the board who wants him. And, and I think that you are first in line to get him. Right. And, and you did Absolutely. mention St. John's St. John's will be your main com competition. But if, if you're telling me that, you know, Rick Pitino is going to go to 
St. John's before Georgetown, I, I think you're crazy. The only way St. John gets him and you don't is if you don't make the call. And at this stage, I don't think they are going to make the call, which yeah, still I, I, stinks. It's, but... it's horrible. I mean, I, I found it very funny right right before we started uh, – Right before we started recording, all these odds have come out for uh, who's going to be the next head coach for Georgetown. And Rick Pitino is still ahead. I, I By don't a get, large margin, too. Yeah, minus, minus 200. I, I'm not going to say, you know, not going to tell you what to bet. This is not a betting podcast. This is not gambling advice. But if I were to say one thing, <laughs> do not take that odd, that, that line, you know? Absolutely. Uh, I, I would agree with that. Uh, I will say, yeah, not gambling, Rice, but you might see my bank account uh, slightly dipped with the Ed Cooley line at plus 800. Uh, that, that's what we call value. Everything that I've heard, everything that I've heard, I know a lot of Providence fans, if there's any Providence fans listening to this, I know you don't want to see him leave. You probably are making the argument that Providence has a better job than Georgetown. Let me just preface this by saying, and I don't mean this in a, in a harmful way, it's not a better job than Georgetown in any way, shape, or form even if they're a top 25 team, even if they're making the sweet 16, like they did last year, it's still not a better job than Georgetown. Um, and I think part of what people are overlooking uh, is the fact that the Thompson center broke ground, I believe, or didn't break ground was officially opened. I feel, I believe in 2015 or 16 or something like that. Yep. One of those years, yep. um, he was the only other big East coach. Not, a, not, not that I'm saying that other big East coaches should have been there for the unveiling of Georgetown's new basketball facility, but he was the only other Big East coach at the ribbon cutting ceremony for the Thompson Center. And it wasn't because he wanted to go see how good Georgetown's facilities were. It was because he's had a deep affection for the Thompson family. And he has always looked up to John Thompson II, God rest his soul. Uh, and this job would still, to a degree, keep the Thompson legacy strong in the Thompson Center. And as much as Georgetown fans don't want to hear that, uh, and as much as I probably wouldn't want to see Ronnie Thompson have a, a large role in this program, Ed Cooley coming here would still be a way for Jack DeJoya to appease the wants and desires of the Thompson family while still indulging the Georgetown fan base in hiring a big-name coach who can win some games. Uh, well, yeah, so it's so, going to be so, really so interesting. That's a, that's a really good point because, you know, I see Cooley and Patino as 1A, 1B um, in whatever order you prefer. But I think on one does, hand, yeah. yeah, on one hand, it's um, fit versus talent, right? I think this is a conversation that you know we can take to other things too. But it's fit being Ed Cooley. Ed Cooley checks all the boxes versus the talent of Rick Pitino. I don't think you can argue that Ed Cooley is in the same stratosphere as Rick Pitino as an overall coach, right? Just as a basketball mind. But we could definitely make the argument that. Ed Cooley fits into Georgetown better than Rick Pitino, right? Yeah, I, I mean, hundred percent. We, if you just look up Ed, like type this into Google, Ed Cooley, John Thompson. There's so many articles. You get a lot of results. You get a lot of results that just talk about how Ed Cooley is. You know, John Thompson was his idol, right? He grew up wanting to play for Georgetown. He, he, you know. It, Providence College to Georgetown, that little pipeline was was such a big thing for him. He sent his daughter to Georgetown. She's going to graduate this year. But, you know, from what we've heard, I think she's got a job in D.C. And like, look, I, I don't want to I don't want to be a troll to these Providence fans, but actually I do. And I've found it to be very fun 
Like if I were a betting man, you mentioned <laughs> this, this is where I'd put my money, right? It just Absolutely. makes sense. Absolutely. The guy's been at Providence now for a, what is it? A, a near, just over a decade. A, yeah, a decade, almost decade and a half, right? 2011. And, and he, um, I mean, look, Providence, Providence is founding member of the Big East, right? A basketball school through and through. But I think if I'm Ed Cooley, and this has been tossed around a lot, like, I think I've reached my ceiling at at, uh, at Providence, right? Like, absolutely. It's, it's It doesn't give you the opportunities that Georgetown has. And for a coach like Ed Cooley, I mean, I don't, I don't think – did you watch the uh, the Providence-UConn game? I don't know if he did. Um, in the Big East tournament, what would have been yesterday, um, two days ago when this is going to get released. I mean, the guy had the garden rocking against UConn, no less, right? Where the garden is UConn's second home. He gets his teams to play with heart. And, and like, as, as a coach, or even better, as a fan, that's what I want to see, right? Right. So, so I think that as far as coaches go, this is probably the direction that appeases the most people. I and, strongly agree with that statement. Yeah, and, and I think we uh, – for me, it's a matter of can Georgetown fund another massive contract? Because also another thing that you know, we should note is that I don't know if the Cooley – buyout is as big as people think no well uh, that's what i was going to say i don't i don't think it's a matter of can they it's a matter of will they uh everything that i've heard is what, what you were just saying is is right I, i've heard i don't and again i don't have a number uh or i don't want to throw out a range and be called out for being wrong but i have heard that the number is not as prohibitive as providence fans would like to believe uh and that obviously i was talking to uh curry hicksage about this on a space last night with, on twitter um but everyone has oh, a like, shelf life everywhere. Um, yeah. Shout out to Kirk Hicks Sage, by the way. Great guy. Yeah, the, the GOAT. But uh, everyone has a shelf life somewhere. I'm a Notre Dame football fan. Uh, and it, it, there's a famous quote from Lou Holtz, that, who obviously was the last coach to win a national championship at Notre Dame, who said, Notre Dame's not a place you coach for 20 years. And obviously, you know, Notre Dame isn't everywhere. But to a degree, coaches aren't going to stay. It's very uncommon for a coach to be like a Jim Beheim who just retired, to coach it somewhere for 40 plus years. years. Something crazy like that. That's years. not that's not common. Or like a Coach K. That's not common. You don't see that these days, uh, especially in the NIL era with the transfer portal and all this nonsense. Um, it's not common. And he's been there for 12 years. You can argue with me all you want, but I personally think a Sweet 16, maybe an Elite Eight, is about as as good as it gets at Providence. Um, and I, he reached that last year. And I don't know, again, I don't know the number, but if Georgetown's willing to pay a double-digit millions buyout to Patrick Ewing – you better believe they're willing to make a large investment to get this next hire right. Because ev- just about everybody in the fan base has, has been fed up the last seven or eight years or so, aside from four days in 2021, have just been suffering and they've had enough. And I think, I think Jack DeJoy does realize that, that he's got to get this right and getting it right might have to entail backing up the Brinks trucks and getting the best guy for the job. Uh, and right now, if you're, ask, if you're talking fit, Ed Cooley probably is the best guy for the job. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think we need to also realize Ed Cooley's not old, but he's not young, right? He's 53 years old. He's going to be 54 by the time next season rolls around. He's no Rick Pitino, but like, if he wants to make a jump, you know, take that next step in his career, 
this is probably the way he's going to go. And I genuinely love it. Like what, John, when we put out that coaches candidate or coach candidates article, right? right. All the Providence fans who were just in the DMs, in the mentions, like Ed Cooley's not going to leave. Ed Cooley would never leave. This is the best job for Ed Cooley. Like, okay, look, I don't think he wasn't going to leave for Michigan. He was pretty damn close, but he wasn't going to leave for Michigan because why would he leave for Michigan? Right? That's just not if a fit. There's one yes. place he's going to leave. If there's one place he's going to advance his career, it's Georgetown. Right? And I yes. think, I think, uh, I think the school is pretty ready to make that commitment. And I think he's ready to make the commitment too. Um, I would agree with that. And I would just say on this last point on Cooley would be if he doesn't take this job, this, and like you said, this would probably be among on a short list of the only jobs he would leave Providence for. There's no saying when or if this job will become open again soon. Uh, And if you're Ed Cooley and you're willing to make a change, which is what I've heard, I don't know how willing or how desired he is to get out of Providence. I don't think he's urgent to get out of there, but at the same time, I don't think he'd be completely opposed to a change. You don't know if this job's going to open up again. Granted, you know, if Rick Pitino gets it, he's probably got a short shelf life of maximum five years or so. But the answer, the answer um, is this is his last opportunity to get this job. Exactly. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. Uh, Moving on. I think this is where we kind of get to that next tier of coaches. Um, And, you know, we kind of touched on these in our coaching candidates article. So definitely go check that out. But, Let's look at Mike Bray. I think that's one name that people – it's been a polarizing one, kind of like Patino, but different from Patino. You know, Mike Bray, now former head coach at Notre Dame, um, you know, beginning of the year, he said he was going to retire at the end of the year. But later on, he came out and said he wants to keep coaching. I used to be pretty high on him. I thought he was a great coach, especially at Notre Dame. His Definitely past his prime, but recently kind of my stock in him is falling. I used to think that he was the fallback option for the administration because I did think they were going to go big fish hunting. If they did strike out, I think this was the guy. But, you know, everything I've heard is like, maybe he isn't a serious contender for this job. From what I heard, I was speaking in that space last night. It doesn't seem like he is either at St. John's or at Georgetown. Uh, I know some people have been saying that he is among us. He's a serious candidate at St. John's. There was never a ton of steam at Georgetown. I think it was more just speculation that obviously he had a lot of success at Notre Dame in the past. Uh, and he's obviously a Gonzaga guy from the DMV. Uh, I think I it think was more DeMatha. speculation. He's DeMatha. Is he? We'll have to check that. Yeah, he's DeMatha. I thought he was Gonzaga, but whatever. No. Um, whatever. He's a DMV guy. That's what he is. Important. And I think, I think it was the, he is DeMatha. You're right. Um, but he's a DMV guy, but I think, I actually think most of that spec was speculation. Um, cause everything I've heard, I haven't heard anyone confirm any sort of interest from the Georgetown side of hiring him. I think Micah Shrewsbury, the Penn state head coach has been uh, a more credible option as the third option. Um, I don't, I still don't know whether or not the, uh, administration has given him a serious look beyond Ed Cooley and Rick Pitino. But I think at this stage, it doesn't look like Mike Bray is going to be a serious candidate for the Georgetown job. And now I'm saying this on Friday afternoon, things in the search season, as we like to call it, change like that in a snap. I don't know if you can hear that snap, but uh, things can change. No, in an I instant. cannot. Uh, yeah, things change really fast. So 
as of right now, it doesn't look like they're, he's even going to be a real candidate. Uh, but again, things can change. And he, he had some success, but I, I, I personally wouldn't like to see it. I, I do think at this stage, he's not a, a great, wouldn't be a great hire. I think, I don't want to call him completely washed. Um, but to a degree, I, I think his, his prime is behind him. He's his, his, prime. Prime, his prime happened a decade ago, right? And And he's like, once upon a time, he was a very good coach. I have no, like, I really don't have much faith in him anymore, um, especially because notoriously he's not a defensive-minded coach. He's uh, one of those guys who really defend, uh, depended on, you know, his offensive numbers to kind of drive his teams. Um, and as, as far as we've heard, and these rumors have kind of been circulating around the Twitterverse, like, the reason why his name has come up in – the Georgetown and the St. John's rumors is because, you know, he's more a campaigner than a you know candidate is the term that some people like to use. Like he's very yep. good at getting his uh, local Stirring people up. to kind of stir the pot a little bit. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, I think, again, as I said, originally I thought he was going to be the fallback option. I think there are some better options out there for this program if yep. they were to fall back, and there are definitely people who would be willing to take that job. Um, yeah, and I think before they made the call to Bray. Um, but you right. you mentioned uh, Micah Shrewsbury, right? Yeah, this is a name that I really like. I don't know about you. Yeah, um, I, I I have been reading on Twitter. I forget who someone on Hoya Twitter. Shout out Hoya Twitter. Uh, had mentioned that he's done a great job. Hired uh, you at Hoya Twitter. Yeah, shout out everyone uh except for a couple but i won't name them but um he's done a heck of a job at penn state obviously he was a purdue assistant for a while under matt painter he was uh or um, was was he at purdue he was right he was at purdue he was at butler and he was under brad stevens Stevens. yeah he was and he was on his celtics bench too i believe yeah um yeah uh and he won just yesterday against illinois as the 10 seed they're going up against northwestern tonight uh see if they can advance uh, and but someone made the argument that they would like to see a season of Shrewsbury without Jalen Pickett, who, if you don't know, is one of the top players in the Big Ten, uh, playing out of his mind this season. But and to a degree, obviously, you can't discredit Shrewsbury for recruiting a fantastic player like that. He came transferred over from Siena. Um, but I would like to see a season of Shrewsbury without him, uh, just to see what kind of team he can build. But that doesn't focus on just one superstar player, because obviously Georgetown doesn't have that kind of player. <laughs> um, yeah. And he wouldn't be a, a bad third option, I don't think. I think, you know, he's young. Uh, he's got experience from two fantastic coaches and Brad Stevens and Matt Painter. Uh, we'll see where Purdue goes. Um, I think they're in a close tilt with Rutgers right now in a Big Ten tournament. Um, but obviously two fantastic coaches. Um, only been a head coach for two years, which I understand the reservations a lot of Georgetown fans have. A lot of people probably think we can do better. We shouldn't be able to – we should hire a more sure thing than a guy like that. Um, but I wouldn't be opposed to him. Uh, great, I wouldn't be as ecstatic as I would be with an Ed Cooley or a Rick Pitino. But I don't think he'd be a bad option. Uh, I would like to see, should he come to Georgetown, get you know a more polished head coach on his staff, maybe a former head coach who knows how to recruit the area or something like that. Um, but I wouldn't be completely opposed to him. I know a lot of people have the reservations of just his lack of head coach experience. Um, but what do you think? You know, I, I think, um, look, my perspective on him is if you're going to go down the route of inexperienced head coaches, he's your guy. I agree. Right? He's been on he, – he's seen 
two championship appearances, NCAA tournament championship appearances as an assistant coach. She's been to multiple conference championships under Brad Stevens with the Celtics. And now he gets the chance to actually, you know, take over a team for himself. And in two years, I, I get the point with Pickett. And, you know, you have a star on the team. It's pretty easy to win some games. But, like, the Big Ten is no easy conference, right? It, it's no. not like a cakewalk where, you know, you're going to have your okay teams, but you're not playing – sorry, DePaul fans, and sorry us. You're not playing Georgetown, DePaul, and Butler, you know, six times a year collectively, right? Right. Even the worst teams in the Big Ten are not that bad. So to see that in two years the guy has created a very solid bubble team, especially at a school like Penn State where, I mean, it could not be more obvious that they really don't care about basketball. I mean, I, I was uh, – when I was visiting my family a couple of weeks ago, I, um, I just kind of like ran into a Penn State alum randomly. I started talking to him, and like he knew Shrewsbury existed, but like – he couldn't really talk at all about basketball because he could not right. care less. Right? right. So to see what he's done in two years at a school like this, to say the least, it's impressive. Absolutely. Obviously the two candidates we spoke about before, if you could give me Patino or Cooley, I would take them in a heartbeat over him. But like, if you're trying to get a guy who's going to, you know, you were probably going to be able to hold on to it for a decade and a half. Shrewsbury is probably your best option right now. You know, realistic yep. options. Yeah. No, yeah, for sure. Um, I know a lot of people last year, especially when we assumed that going 0-19 warrant a firing. A lot of people were looking at a guy like a Kyle Neptune before Jay Wright retired or a Kim English. Um, but at this stage, Shrewsbury done, has done a hell of a job. Uh, I know for a fact, I, I could, I'm going to say confidently, and I'm not sure, but I'm going to say confidently, if they beat Northwestern tonight, they're NCAA tournament bound. Yeah, um, I think that's they fair. might, they might, they might even already be NCAA tournament bound right now. It'll be close. Um, they're right on the bubble right now, but I could totally yeah. see them getting over it tonight. Yeah, I, mean, I, could, I could see it going either way. Um, but even if he doesn't, and he he came incredibly close just in year two, that's a hell of a job, especially like you said at a school at Penn State, where they're probably not as fully funded as a school like Georgetown is um, oh, when it comes close. to their basketball program. Not even um, close. Obviously, Penn State, you know, you can make a sweet 16. Second you lose and your season's over, it's right back to football, even in April. Their fans would rather watch the spring game than watch a Penn State basketball game, all due respect to Penn State. But uh, at a school like Georgetown, you are the center of attention. Like, that's it. The, eye, the, the, the eyes of everyone are on the basketball team, and that's literally it. Um, and I think that's really – obviously, there's no saying he wouldn't take the job. Um, but – yeah, if if we're gonna go that route, I would agree. I would, I yeah, would target and, and Mike I would Shrewsbury, say, and I wouldn't be opposed to a guy like Kim English, but uh, right now I prefer Shrewsbury. You know, I, I was gonna toss the name of uh, Mike Jones out there, right? As another, oh, yeah, we got, guy, we got, a, but we like, got, we got to nip this in the bud. Yeah, I, I think he would be a great associate head coach under someone experienced, like he is right but, now. Yeah, yeah, but like, look, I have a really hard time, like. Look, I, I think we've said this a bunch between that coaching candidates article and, you know, maybe not right now, but like, let me say this, that right now, after these past two years and the six years of call it mediocrity plus past viewing and whatever, I think that 
we need someone who we know can actually like build a program. And I'm not saying Mike Jones can't. It's just this is not the time to take shots on people. Absolutely right? not. And if, well, if you're going to take a shot, you have to take a shot on a guy like him. Micah Shrewsbury would be the example of Georgetown taking a shot. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, hiring a guy like Mike Jones, that's like that's literally like a Hail Mary in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl trying to win the game. Like that is not a guy you hire. If you're a school, I, I don't even know. I'm trying to give an example. I don't even know. But if you're in an eight, say like an eight ten school or something like that, maybe that even might be even too high for him. Um, but he would be best off. I know he probably will garner some sort of interest um, from the lower mid major or mid major level. Uh, he would be best off taking a mid major or low major job and trying to build it up as quickly as he can and making himself attractive to the higher major schools, showing that, hey, I can take over my own program on the collegiate level. Hey, I can recruit effectively. Hey, I can coach X's and O's wise effectively. And I am ready for that jump. He is never going to get a high major job coaching under Mike Young at Virginia Tech. Look, he's he's like Kim, uh, Kim English. Well, when was he hired? Two years ago now? He's this is exactly the second year as head coach, yeah. Yeah, like he was a longtime assistant at Tennessee, right? I think he was a Baltimore guy, right? So relatively local, uh, you know, got experience under a big coach at a big program, and now he's got his own, you know, George Mason squad, which have – they've been okay. I think they won two games in the eighth end tournament this year, but, like, you can't tell me that – he's necessarily ready just seeing from the two-year sample size. And, you know, I, I would love to see uh, a guy like uh, Mike Jones kind of get that experience first. But uh, it's not to say that in the future he can't be Georgetown's head coach. If I no. could definitely see it. But, you know, right now it's just not the time. Uh, absolutely not. Um, and I, I guess uh, <laughs> the, the last guy we should talk about um, in depth, is Dennis Gates? Yeah, um, I know. I know you really wanted this one. I, I, John, you have a love affair with Dennis Gates, and for a good reason. He's, I, I'll, he's, I'll give you the floor. I'll give you the floor on this one. I, he's there's. I mean, obviously, if you're listening to this, you're probably pretty wired in on the, the discussion. But he's a heck. Of, he's a heck of a coach. That's as simple as that. Last year, uh, and if you don't know. And I'm not sure how big of a connection this is. It's probably not much of a connection at all. But Lee Reed, the Georgetown athletics director, who is, all due respect, probably the least powerful athletic director in Division I uh, athletics. Uh, it's a Cleveland State alum, was a standout basketball player there. Uh, and Dennis Gates, obviously, the new head coach of Missouri, who has them NCAA tournament bound, was the head coach of Cleveland State for a, lot of, a long time. Uh, and just had a remarkable amount of success there. Um, and if you don't, haven't been following on Twitter recently, Georgetown of his report is retaining the firm. I believe it's, is it turnkey ZRG? Is that what it's called? Yeah. I was about to say that. Yeah. So they, they've returned, retained the search firm uh, turnkey ZRG where his wife, I forget her first name, but his wife is uh, works high up in the college department there. But I will say this um, a lot of people, and I was talking about this with Curry last night, uh, and people don't really, really firmly, uh, and they shouldn't, but they don't firmly understand what a search firm does. A search firm in this context is not going to be the one picking the head coach and picking the candidates and saying, hey, Georgetown, no. we, we vetted this guy. This guy's clean and he has a good history and he knows how to coach. This is the guy you should hire. If that, if that is the case, I don't think it is. But 
if that is the case, we should just end this podcast and we can all go home and go root for someone else like Villanova if we want. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what they're going to do, DePaul. Georgetown's going to float some names at them. They're going to reserve you a hotel conference room under the name Joe Smith or John Smith or whatever it may be. You're going to meet with your coach somewhere far away in a private room where nobody knows it's happening. Uh, and that's kind of the purpose of a search firm, among among other things. Um, yeah. But so the fact the fact that she works there and they retain that search firm is does not in any way increase the chance that he is going to be the next Georgetown head coach. I want to just preface this by saying that. Um, Granted, however, I have heard that his buyout is not as obstructive as many have come to believe. Where even in the first year of his contract, I don't think it would be prohibitive enough to deter Georgetown. That being said, I still don't think it's at all likely he is going to be the next head coach of Georgetown. However, I would absolutely love it. The guy can flat out coach. Yeah, I, I think he's uh, just just on the coach uh, search committee uh, point. These committees, they handle the logistics, not the actual names. They might do a little research, but that's about it. So I think there's there's a much connection between wife and, you know, hiring her firm and Dennis yeah. Gates coming to Georgetown. But there is definitely a tie between Lee Reed, who has been reported as having a larger role in this year's search. Um, and Dennis Gates, you know, as you said, both Cleveland State alums. So maybe there's something there. I think as we kind of made the point about uh, Cooley before, like I think the school knows that they can't screw this one up. And so yep. if they do, I, I think that – or no. They can't screw this up, so they're really going to try and go hard for those big names, and that means that they're going to have a lot of money behind them. And if there's one thing we know, that Georgetown definitely has a lot of money behind. So, like, we we can assume that these buyouts aren't going to be the, you know, the worst, the most deterring factors for these coaches. Um, right. Again, still would love to see them go after Rifatino, who doesn't have a buyout, but, you know, these these uh, – these, Buyout clauses are not the worst thing in the world for us. Um, I would definitely love to see Dennis Gates as the Georgetown coach. Too. And by the way, you mentioned this uh, previously, not not here today, but like if we um, if we didn't have Patrick Ewing here this year, if he got fired last year, then we'd probably have Dennis Gates as our head coach. Right? We would, a hundred percent. We definitely would. would. We definitely would. Hundred percent. Um, yeah, and I guess before we hop off here, there are a couple names that like have been floating around that I really don't think have much weight behind them. Um, okay. Mostly uh, DeVries at uh, Drake and Langle at Colgate. These mid-major guys who are, you know, pretty decent coaches, you know, if we do say so ourselves. Like, yeah, I think they've no, done like, solid work at the their uh, current positions at their current programs but like yep i think a major factor when it comes to georgetown is like i'm not going to call it the eye test but like these coaches that we've mentioned like feel like they belong at georgetown you know what i mean like absolutely like, at a certain point you got to think like could you actually see these guys you, yeah yeah the you got to visual you got to visualize it to a degree yeah yeah, and, and I think the answer is no. I haven't heard anything to say these two guys are, you know, actually candidates. I know Langle is a name that's kind of popped around more than uh, DeVries. And all I can say is maybe – Capel. 
Jeff Capel, oh God, don't don't even get me started. But like, maybe they get a call. But at the end of the day, they're not Georgetown basketball, you know, worthy. Is the way I'll put it. Yeah, I, I, I don't. Again, if you're if you're listening to this, I don't know or really care what you hear in uh, in regard to those guys. They might be candidates elsewhere. They're not candidates for Georgetown at all. Yeah, I mean, they're, I, I've heard some interest in Langle at St. John's. I know. I don't know if he's actually a candidate there, or if it's more just wishful thinking on the fan on the side of St. John's fans. But at, at Georgetown, first of all, Devries. I don't know if I don't know if I'm butchering that pronunciation. If I am, Drake fans, you can freeze whatever. You can, you can come Georgetown. at me in my mentions, but well, even if he was, he he's a mid he's a Midwest guy through and through. He was, I believe, he was a Creighton assistant. Uh, which you know is Big East, if you want to call it that. It is Big East, but it's Nebraska. It's not. It's a big jump from that to the DMV. Yeah, I, look, I, I just, I just don't see it happening. They're not Georgetown, no. John. They're not Georgetown. They're not. Um, but yeah, so you know, I don't know if you have a last comment about this, but like for me, winning solves everything. It, it's it a matter does. of winning and winning now. So. All these guys, good coaches in their own right, definitely deserve a job somewhere or have a good job already. Uh, right. Really. But, like, look, at the end of the day, if we're going to say anything about this coaching search, it's find me someone who can win. It is embarrassing that these past two years have been, on average, the lowest attendance since we made the jump from McDonough in 1981. Like, yep. That's embarrassing. And from all the people we've spoken to, fans, you know, students, we win. Fans are back. And I think there's nothing the two of us want more than for a senior season to actually be fun. Right. Um. So just get me someone who can win. I would, yeah. I mean, I was going to have a statement, but that kind of, that kind of basically just took all the thoughts out of my mouth right there. Hey, it's, it's like, uh, it's like Curry Hicks last night. Falling asleep on the uh, on the base, and then uh, giving me the last last statement out of nowhere, and I think he summed it up perfectly um, by not saying anything. But yep. we're a bunch of sickos. We're a bunch of sickos, and uh, if you're if you're uh, if you've made it this far, I'd say you're a sicko too. So, uh, oh yeah, for the for sickos sure. among us, for sickos among us, uh, thank you from John and I for listening. You know, like and follow at Thompson's Towel, and. Uh, you know, we'll see you next time, hopefully with some good news. Thanks, everybody.